welcome to The Last Thing I Saw. This is another in the series of Berlin episodes. I'm very pleased to be joined by Jordan Kronk, who is going to be contributing. Well, where are you going to be writing for? Hello, Jordan. <laughs> Hello, Nick. Thanks for having me. Um, covering the festival for a few places, but Mubi, I guess, in particular. Mm-hmm. So we, I think we both had very packed days today. Indeed. Five film days, or for me, four and a half. <laughs> we'll get to that. But how generally has, has the Berlin been for you? It's been pretty nice to be back uh, after a couple of years um, and also to do a podcast in person, I think, for the first time <laughs> yeah, in a long right. time. I don't know. <laughs> that's what, right. Last one was probably with you at some point and yeah. might have been Berlin or somewhere in that yeah. time frame. I can't remember, or, but it's or, been a while. I know we did last year Rotterdam. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, but in person where I oh, in see person. you and yeah, and I don't be even close, know. But that would have been, been, been probably Berlin or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a different <laughs> dynamic to be sitting next to you and not uh, looking right. at my computer screen and imagining you. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not folding my laundry. Right. I, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, I'm not yeah. folding my laundry during these things. I don't know. How would you, is it even worth sort of trying to talk about the festival in general this year? Or Yeah, for sure. I don't know exactly what your other guests have mentioned, but... I mean, for me, it's been pretty, you know, the transition into the kind of uh, masks and COVID protocols has been rather seamless here for, I think it's been done pretty well uh, compared to Cannes, at least, which, I mean, that was one of the first or maybe the first big festival to do that. So they had a learning curve, I think. And I think the programmers and team here were at Cannes and at, you know, Venice and some other festivals that have done that. And I think they've uh, streamlined and uh, perfected the the system a little bit. So the tests are fairly quick. Those lines aren't that bad. And, you know, the ticket system actually works. And, uh, it does, yeah. yeah and the, the seating is, like, arranged correctly where you, there's a gap between you and, and the next person. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's actually really, really nice. And, um, I mean, yeah, just basically the same, just a little extra few steps here and there. So yeah. Not too bad. Yeah. Well, let's let's dive right into uh, one of the movies. And uh, I, I thought that we could start with, I think there are definitely movies that are like part of why you want to go to a particular f- festival in a given year. And a new Hong movie is definitely uh, one reason for me. So this one is called The Novelist's Film, um, which actually, I guess there's kind of a way they explain the title that might be different than how you understand the title. Um, I think I talk about titles too much on this uh, podcast. <laughs> um, but at any rate, w- who of us will try to summarize? Uh, well, yeah, I'll preface this by saying we literally just walked out of this yes, movie. So, um, and I think that's the last competition film screening here. So it's nice to, oh, yeah. you know, kind of wind down with a Hong film, which yeah. I think Introduction was the first film that screened virtually for Berlin last year. So oh, did it. Oh, that's I don't nice. know if that means anything, but this one felt, you know, pretty substantial. Yeah. For Hong. Um, it deals with a novelist who, I, I guess, returns to a small town outside of uh, Seoul. Is that, that is where it is? something I was trying to figure out if it was a suburb, because then at some point, one person said, you know, she says, oh, I took the subway to get out here. Yeah, they talk about how so. it's kind of removed from the city center. Yeah. So, I don't know, this woman goes to a smaller neighborhood of some sort and, I guess, reconnects with an old writer friend at a bookstore, and yeah. then... New and used books. Yeah. (laughs) And the narrative kind of branches off from there with this novelist character who's established name, apparently, Mm -hmm. in the field, uh, goes and meets this kind of, not retired, but a a woman who's given up writing. And then she moves along and goes to a, like an observatory and meets a new pair of people. One's an actress and one's a director, right? Yeah. The director and his wife. The director and his wife first, which are just, they keep saying, uh, we've, we live together. And then they're like, oh, you're married? Oh, yeah, we're married. We've been together 30 years. But they keep saying they live together, which yeah. is weird. Um, 
Anyway, so this novelist character goes on essentially like a daisy chain-like uh, journey where she meets up with the character and then it gets introduced to a new character and she goes with that person for yeah. a little bit and gets in a conversation as in Hong fashion. Um, and then it literally goes like in a circular way where they end up back at the bookstore drinking uh, with multiple characters who she's met along the way. Yeah. We all turn out to sort of know each other. Yes. Uh, but anyway, along the way, the reason it's called the novelist film is because the novelist woman uh, protagonist meets an actress along the way, played by Kim Meany, who's the main Hong protagonist in most films. Yes. Uh, she's the, a, the star. A star. Yeah. <laughs> she's th- and she's an actress. And so the novelist has an idea like, oh, I want to make a film with you. And she's into the idea. And they kind of, the plot starts to kind of revolve around this potential or this idea of a novelist making a movie and what that would look like. Yeah. So it's very simple, uh, as you might expect, but uh, it offers some kind of strange insights along the way. And it ends with like yeah. one of the most beautiful scenes I think Hong's ever shot. But it's hard yeah. to reveal what it is exactly without giving something away. But Yeah. It was reminiscent of another kind of yeah, yeah. ending, of another Hong film, also beautiful. Um, yeah, and it's just the usual, you know, I guess if you're not into it, you're not into it. <laughs> just wizardry of the most casual conversations. Um, I, and this time I did sort of think about, these are kind of handy devices. These are kind of the things where it's like, you know, is, <laughs> this is how you meet someone. You say, I think I know you from somewhere. Yeah. And it was like half of his scenes start out with that, that that's the device that one person can't remember who the other person is. And then that's half of the conversation, which allows the people to give their background. Right. So if you think about it, that's actually smart. <laughs> it's just kind right, of right, literary right. device. Yeah, that's kind of a weird... The novelist main character is sort of an enigma in a way. You don't really yeah. know much about her or what her idea her. is for going back to see these people. And uh, I mean, she's there to see the bookstore owner, which seems like yeah, kind of a lot. Because the bookstore owner is kind of like, you came back to see me. Yeah, and, but yeah. The, then also the bookstore owner is like, oh, I didn't know anyone knew where I yeah. worked or <laughs> like lived hiding. anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, so it's kind of a strange like setup yeah. as far as like what their relationship was like prior to the film you know when they were writers um and it's sort of reminiscent i guess of his last film in front of your face which had a a woman going back to uh korea who had lived in the states and kind of reconnects with her old uh friends and colleagues but yeah yeah it it, it's true that you mentioned it it does have something similar to that and i don't know i felt like that's something I'm enjoying watching him kind of flesh out these kind of exchanges that start sort of warily, but then quickly get sort of, you know, intimate in terms of sharing things that are bothering you. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting to see, to see that play out. There's not the dynamic of the kind of soju-fueled pratfall going right. on here. In fact, they're drinking something different. Yeah, it's uh, some kind of rice wine or something like that. Ma- makali, yeah. which... Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, is what I remember liking when I went to Korea and I was oh, like, oh, I'm an idiot. I like this instead of soju. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's déclassé or something. Well, there was one. I remember for a time there's like, okay, what alcohol are they drinking in this Hong film? And that would like define it. There's like the one and they're drinking <laughs> actual right. like real wine, which is like yeah. only one film, like red wine. And then most of the time it's soju. But then it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's the kind of personality of the film will come out from that. But yeah, this one... It is kind of amazing how the themes do not show as this goes along. And, you know, this is almost a theme in what they talk about the novelist. They talk about, you know, what the style of the movie would be. uh, And it's sort of like this movie a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Um, So there's there's that kind of typically reflexive quality to it. But, yeah, it's black and white. We didn't mention black and white. Yes. Um, Um, And an almost uh, I won't say harsh black and white, but he's like very comfortable with letting like things just blow out. 
Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with because a lot of times they're in this bookshop cafe table. There's one shot in it that I don't think I've ever seen in his movies before. This might be like a tiny detail, but like the novelist is looking through like a viewfinder that mm-hmm. the director gives her and she looks out a window and it like goes to like a POV shot and it zooms in all the way down yeah. to a character who we haven't met who turns out to be Kimini, but you can't even really see her. You can't make her but head, then yeah. when you see her in the next scene, you notice that, oh, that was the same woman in that jacket. Yeah. It's just kind of a weird like way to set up a... It is like an yeah. introduction of a character. Yeah, and it's such it's so startling because everything is such on on an intimate like you're two feet away. It's just you know two three shots. Yeah, um, and it, I felt like that must have been a telephoto lens. Yeah, because when he gets really close, it starts like jittering for sure. Yeah, in yeah. the same way that you have when you have a lens like that. If you're Hong and not like I don't know yeah. Gordon Willis or something, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Um, so yeah, but again, yeah, we just saw it, so I guess we're still kind of digesting it. But yeah. But it's nice to hear that you or we have similar feelings. Similar, about yeah, yeah. No, we'll have we'll have things that we can we uh, can argue about. Yeah. <laughs> we can argue about, but we'll have to settle for agreeing on this one. But yeah, that's the novelist's film, and yeah, as you mentioned, that closed out the competition. And I actually thought, I mean, it's kind of a nice piece of programming, both because it kind of rewards you if you've been seeing, you know, a lot of movies that you haven't enjoyed as much because it's you know fairly delightful, and then just the, the mood of it. Like I always yeah, yeah. appreciate when it's in the right place. For um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, as we mentioned, we've seen a lot today. And I think, Jordan, you saw something, a couple of movies earlier um, from a director who hasn't had a movie in the while. And that's called Poet. Yeah. Uh, from novelist to poet. <laughs> exactly. From novelist to poet. Uh, the director is Dara Hazan Oberbaev, who is a Kazakh filmmaker, a veteran and a master in some people's eyes, I guess. He's a, I don't know how old he is now, probably around 70, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, he must um, be because I, I feel like he was already. Yeah. 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 So he's. But he doesn't make very many movies. I believe he hasn't made a movie in at least seven or eight years. But the one that I really like that is semi-recent in his filmography is called Student. So um, anyway, the new movie is called uh, Poet, and it deals with a poet in contemporary times. But uh, he's, the general idea is he's lamenting the fact that you know no one likes poetry anymore and the language in their country is slowly fading away and making way for you know technology and new devices and things like that. And his his story is kind of contrasted with that of a poet who was beheaded in the uh, I think the 1800s. His name oh, wow. is I'm gonna, I might butcher it, but Makabet Otemisuli. So it's essentially this uh, new or contemporary poet and his life and his uh, his poetry readings of this older poet, and then it's con- contrasted with an older story where you kind of learn not only why this poet was beheaded because he wouldn't. Uh, I guess, give up his integrity and change and compromise for like the authorities at the time. And then you kind of see the fallout from that over the decades and you follow essentially this poet's uh, remains. They go, they, they're buried, uh, you know, okay. and then a, de- a decade or two later, a grandson, a poet and his grandson go and visit the grave. And then another generation after that, a team goes and removes the grave and takes the bones to like a, hmm. uh, what is it called? A crypt or a... Uh, mausoleum type final resting place for uh this poet so anyway you see kind of this guy's afterlife and that's contrasted with a contemporary story of this poet Mm. also trying to maintain his dignity dignity as i don't know poetry is uh forgotten and uh fallen out of fashion in contemporary times so yeah yeah, it's really basic low-key subtle movie that's like not dramatic at all it's very like if you've seen omar Bayev's work you probably have an idea of like the tone yeah. It's not a not a very dramatic or like flashy movie. It's very like classical filmmaking, old master style stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really like it. 
by the end I found it pretty touching just to see like he basically is going essentially not as dramatically but going through the same thing where he has to decide whether he wants to give up his integrity or mm-hmm. maintain his like you know dignity as a poet and continue on which uh yeah mm. is kind of a quaint but a uh, touching uh ideal nowadays i guess <laughs> yeah it also makes me think what what is selling out for a poet exactly <laughs> that <laughs> uh, is true actually you're gonna start writing about cell phones what is funny he goes to give a reading at one point of this uh older poets readings and one one person shows up but she's super inspired and she tells him how much she loves his work and then is able to quote all this stuff but yeah it's a uh, at one point i'm like this is like film criticism basically <laughs> <laughs> that's funny it's the same thing actually i didn't you know i didn't even mean to but that does go together well with the perpetual like literary film community that happens in the hong movies you know yeah yeah for sure i've been working on this you haven't been working on something in a while oh i admire you so much yeah exactly it's just this uh, (laughs) constant ritual and you're right you're absolutely right that poet is his first feature since since student since okay yeah so student was at can like what 2013 or 12 or something yeah i really like that movie and it's kind of been forgotten but yeah in the 90s and 2000s he made some films that played in like New York film festival and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, since then he's kind of like completely fallen out, out of fashion and I don't know how hard it is to make a movie in Kazakhstan, but it must be yeah, not the easiest. Uh, I remember Kent Jones was, you know, sort of a very big, big booster, very yeah. big admirer of his work and wrote a really good essay about him. Honestly, that's probably where I discovered him originally, like years ago, yeah. reading him yeah. and a few other critics who have like really championed his work. But as it's fallen out of fashion, it's, I mean, here it's playing in the forum, which is kind of a, you know, a, a section for more experimental films, even though this is not experimental, it just has nowhere else to go, I guess. So. Huh. A sort of homeless, homeless, homeless movie. films, <laughs> wandering movie. But, but I'm, I'm glad to hear about that. I, I hope I have a chance to, to catch up with that. And then actually, since you were talking about the ashes, uh, they happened to do the press screening of the uh, Taviani movie today. We, uh, it has, I thought the same thing because I saw that after or saw yeah. that before I saw Poet and has the same basic like plot set up where oh, you're really? like following the, the ashes essentially or the bo- guy's body it's like over. that okay yeah, it's sort of like that yeah <laughs> um, i like poet more for, yeah. for the record but anyway <laughs> i we, we can have a whole episode just on the movies that you saw today i think and also today was after water which was a movie that i can't speak to <laughs> because fully, fully yeah. at least I can speak to it in a half measure because I, I sort of ducked out. Um, well, but you missed the exciting parts, but that's what happened. I think. <laughs> Don't tell me that. Um, <laughs> no, well, this is a hard movie to describe since it's yeah. essentially plotless. Uh, yeah, it's a new film by uh, the Serbian filmmaker Dane Kolmian, who made a film some people might have seen called All the Cities of the North, which is really a wonderful oh, movie. Right. Of uh, also, a slow cinema type uh, thing. Mm-hmm. This is even probably more. Uh, more difficult as far as there isn't like i said much of a plot it kind of deals with the student and his girlfriend or partner uh in the beginning you see them on campus like looking through a microscope and looking at uh some specimens of bugs and jars of fish and things like that and then they retire to the a lake it's never really specified where they are and there's many languages spoken in the film so i don't know exactly where they are but it's a really beautiful location by a lake and then all of a sudden they well, they start reading, I think, a number of... I think the main thrust of the film is based on one writer in particular. I don't have that name in front of me, but uh, mm. I think it incorporates a lot of other authors and artists as it goes along. But it starts with them reading from a text, kind of reading back and forth, like a philosophical-type text. And uh, 
then they're doing it in voiceover or they're reading it face to face and then mm -hmm. they kind of swim for a while and then they read some more and then uh, all of a sudden other figures I don't know if I call them characters but other people start to float by in the river <laughs> or like materialize in the woods until at one point there's probably like a I don't know half dozen different people kind of coming and going and like I said at this point voiceover becomes more frequent for a little while it could be other this, the other characters um it could be an off you know a off-screen character we're not really sure and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. there's long passages of no actual dialogue but there is subtitles of more kind of text going going by mm. and there's a couple of sequences with music but for the most part it's completely quiet mm. so it is very like slow cinema-esque where it's just like bodies in the landscape type right. thing bodies in the water in this case a lot of times and then it does get into actual, I don't know if you had gotten to this point, but eventually they emerge from this kind of lake area and they start to kind of wander through the woods, but in like choreographed slow motion or no. like the, the movies, the film is not in slow motion, but like they're, they're moving like a, like one of the Siming Leong's Walker movies or something. <laughs> they're wow. like doing real slow, like huh. uh, things where they're contorting their bodies around each other. It gets more abstract from there, but it's essentially like it's it not a more abstract. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I can't really say what it really right. uh, builds toward exactly. Um, but it, uh, I don't know. It's definitely not a movie about plot and character. It's a movie about like light and environment and materiality mm -hmm. and the, the filmmaking process. And yeah, it's very uh, clearly a collaborative effort and a vision of like a single-minded filmmaker. And I think someone who has a vision because I, you know, slow cinema is very much past its. Uh, prime so nowadays i think for a filmmaker to really get away with it and do it well they have to be really committed to it and I, when i watch his movies and knowing what i know about him he's very his cinema is tranquil and serene i think in a very honest way because mm. he's very it reminds me of like a pitcher pong like when you meet him it's like a pure Not really tranquil like like he has an inner peace huh. that like translates to the film i think a pitcher pong has that and donna has that so i don't feel it's dishonest or like you know, right. it's not someone like, oh, I'm going to make a slow cinema film or I'm going to make a, this movie with this, like, in this lineage of filmmakers who did this. Right. I think it's like how he, he expresses his thoughts and ideas. So, uh, and I find that really beautiful. So, yeah, it is not for everybody, though, I will say that because yeah. it, it, it it's only 90 minutes, but it is, you know, very slow. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear about his channeling, for lack of a better word, this, this just kind of personal vibe or energy very calming presence just as a person and then i yeah and then that's what his movies are like so yeah it, it makes sense but uh um well that w that's what i will return to i mean yeah i i, I don't think it was a final verdict i just was <laughs> not but I, it's almost also it's interesting you're talking about how about slow cinema it's almost how i was reading the cues of it just in the sense that i felt it felt more like an essay film like oh, okay. a bucolic essay film than that i was following these characters right uh, not in a plot, but at least through some kind of thought process. Right. Um, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. If, yeah. I wouldn't go and expect yeah, an essay film to, as far as like, uh, you know, being very, uh, filled with, uh, information or things yeah. of that nature. <laughs> but, uh, no, no, no. More like, yeah. Just kind of a reflective, yeah, yeah. Uh, reflecting pool kind of thing. But yeah. Um, so that's after water. Actually, I wonder if it might be good to kind of segue from that to another movie that is, you know, also definitely not for, for everyone, but an, an experimental. And for me, it was sort of especially surprising uh, because it's from Bertrand Bonello. Oh, okay. um, we don't yep. have to talk too long about it, but it just it's it's just an oddity. Um, it's a it is like a strange object. <laughs> yeah. Like UFO or whatever. You'd yeah, call it. exactly. Coma. 
and I mean, I can take a crack at this one. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to reassemble everything because <laughs> it, it showed, or at least it press screened pretty early on. Yeah. And it's, I guess it's sort of tuned into Bertrand Bonello's feelings about his daughter mm -hmm. and her future, basically, and what that will look like. And then it takes the form of the home life, you know, the kind of private world life of a teenager, teenage mm -hmm. girl, and, you know, a little bit of her friends. And then this kind of liminal world that she's able to access. And then also this, now it's in my head, someone said it, you know, Todd Haynes, like dull drama, oh, yeah. Todd Haynes slash David Lynch, like eerie dull drama yeah. that's going on with, that's acted out by dolls. That yeah. is, I'd say sort of absurdist, basically. There's a laugh track. Yeah, there's a laugh track. Exactly. <laughs> and so it's all these elements stirred together. Also, I have to say, part of what just kind of, you know, sets you off balance is the opening. Yeah. It's like... Well, it begins as an essay film, which is kind of like... Exactly, yeah. Hello talking in voiceover about making Nocturama. And now his daughter is the same age as the characters in that film. And yeah. how, it's, how he feels about her getting to an age in a time when COVID's happening, when there's you know, climate, it touches on a lot of things, climate change, uh, right-wing governments across the world, things like that. And yeah. so he's just like an anxious kind of paranoid voice voiceover at the beginning. Yeah. It's, 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 I can't remember seeing anything like that, you know, and it was very abstract images, which I might be from his other movies. I'm not really sure what it is. Yeah. It looked like, um, like an optical zoom yeah. on, yeah, one of his movies. Exactly. And yeah, it's just very strange voiceover. It's a sort of thing where it's like, I felt like should I be hearing this? You know, it has that kind of feel a little bit. It's like, you're really showing your notes here, you yeah. know? So that really, you don't know how to process that. And then you go into this whole other, um, you know, often with disturbing material, you know, there's this whole serial killer thing running through it. Um, yeah. The teenage girl, she likes, I don't know, she seems to be like flirting with cutting or mutilating herself. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of things going on. And her and her friends all love serial, ki serial yeah. killers. Yeah, they zoom and they talk about like the hottest talk. ones, and they love <laughs> some like Ted Bundy and yeah. others, like some other ones. Which I, I when I saw it, I couldn't help but think of this "Kids in the Hole" sketch. I don't know if you remember this one, but where it's basically the same thing. It's a oh, sleepover, okay. and it's a bunch of them playing playing teenage girls, and they're <laughs> they're trading photos of. I forget if it's like convicted felons or it's CEOs. I forget. Oh. Do you know that? No, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> it's kind of the same joke. This is now the second time I'm comparing one of these movies <laughs> to sketch comedy. I was just <laughs> saying that something in the Quentin Dupieux is like a SNL sketch that happened. So yeah, but I don't know how you felt about this at, at the end of it. It just felt like it was all in a blender for me at yeah. a certain point. It's very, uh, it changes, switches gears. I mean, we have there's also, also animated sequences. There's, oh, yeah, uh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff going on in this movie. Uh, I, I did enjoy it. I liked it. Um, it definitely feels like an original kind of... I've never seen a movie quite like it. I could definitely say that, which is kind of rare nowadays. Uh, I mean, it was made because of the pandemic. It's clearly made yes. just like in their house or like in yeah. a small apartment of some clearly sort. Clearly with Benella's own dolls. Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah, there's long sequences of... Like that's like a subplot where you like watch these like this couple played by like Barbie dolls essentially have like a breakup soap opera soap opera style, yeah, yeah. With, yeah like we said with a laugh track and it's uh it gets very dramatic but it's like it's it's, it's the daughter Benello's daughter it's played by an actress but it's like her inner life coming to life I guess in various permutations whether it's the animated part right. or the uh right. the dolls or things like that and then you see her real life with her friends zooming stuck in lockdown essentially yeah um and then it ends with the long sequence that's very like apocalyptic 
Yeah. Explosions and climate change disasters happening and uh, things like this. It ends in a very like a uh, wild way. But um, yeah, there's a typical kind of Bonello sequences. Though. There's a f- really great sequence where the, the daughter's dancing and so is her, we didn't even mention, one of the main plot thrusts is like her idol is a woman named something coma her last name's coma she's like a yeah. social media uh, influencer yeah so the daughter's always watching this girl on like tiktok or some other social media platform yeah uh and she's very influenced by her and at one point there's a sequence where he's Benello's cross-cutting between them both dancing in their like various uh, apartments which yeah is kinda, which is like reminiscent of many other sequences he's done in the past which are always like the best scenes in the movies <laughs> yeah yeah i mean he's you know he composes on music including yeah. for this movie and yeah i i'm glad you mentioned that because that is another strain of like unreality in the movie this kind of droll instagrammer figure who almost seems like a parody of an instagram yeah. influencer because she's doing things that are like don't even make sense and like sticking her hand in a blend I, this is why i thought of a blender i guess um sticking her hand in a blender she does that right or food processor. Yeah. oh yeah yeah she keeps uh that's where she gets the idea yeah watching the yeah. influencer yeah make some kind of shake or something in, yeah. in a blender <laughs> yeah and it, you can't really tell if this is supposed to be something that's actually happening or how much of this is actually happening i mean you know i guess in some sense it does capture the just you know unreal like smorgasbord of when you're filtering the whole world uh, in quarantine yeah it's, i think it, it's definitely supposed to be yeah experiencing life during quarantine with your only link to the outside world is like social media essentially or like yeah. technology of some sort so everything's like mediated by some kind of screen or it's very uncanny valley like i guess so but i i enjoyed it and it's kind of I don't know if it all worked per se, but I don't know if that's really the point. It's very just like kind of invigorating to watch him try, try all these crazy ideas. Yeah. I would have never thought. And this is all in 80 minutes, which is kind of wild. Yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, in I guess the most literal sense, it's experimental. I mean, yeah. he's, he's trying things out and I have to admire that, you know, especially if you think like, you know, this is a guy who's very established and this is what, what he's making now. It's good. Yeah. But it, I mean, it touches on the main theme of his recent films, which is young people living in, right. I mean, it That's does not true. necessarily just France, but especially in France for him yeah uh which links it to nocturama and zombie child and yeah some other work he's made recently and you know the voices of the dolls and animated parts are various famous french actors uh think, yeah. including uh gaspar ulil he's one of them and i was at the public screening i don't know where you were at but Benello oh, no. dedicated the screening to him and talked a little bit about him and it was really touching really yeah oh, so wow. I, was, I think it's well, i don't know if it's the last thing he did but it's one of the last things he did yeah so. Now, I just realized the teenage girl is played by the same actress who's in Zombie Child. Right? Yeah, which I actually didn't realize, but that is her. Yeah, yeah. it's the same. Uh, yeah. He mentioned and, that. And she, more than in Zombie Child, pretty uncanny kind of presence. Um, yeah, she's really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But playing Benello's daughter, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but like clearly a movie that, whatever the reasons are, he had to make. Yeah, I don't know if other people have talked about this, but one of the big themes of the festival is definitely like pandemic films i feel yes. like this is the first festival mm-hmm. it's, there's been some at other festivals obviously like yeah bad luck banging and a lot of things from prior festivals but this one i saw like a dozen or more films that literally are either shot during the pandemic or about the pandemic or yeah all the characters wear masks they do in the hong film they for do. example yeah it's interesting kind of and like, no we didn't even note that it's just so normal now but yeah yeah, yeah it's interesting to try to like what's the word, like timestamp the film based yeah. upon whether they include the masks or not. The Claire Denis film Claire Denis, yep. is all over that. That even feels like a conscious choice to like show yeah, for sure. ordinariness of, of life in some way. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, while we're on the topic, because I do agree that there's a preponderance of these kind of pandemic films, is Happer's Comet. Yeah. Um, which just we can just sort of mention it also screened here. Director is... Tyler Teramina. Teramina. Yeah, from Los Angeles. Uh, he made um, Ham on Rye, sorry. <laughs> Ham on Rye, that's yeah, it. A yeah. film I've shown in LA. And yeah, <laughs> Tyler's a friend. So I won't say too much other than that. I do okay. like the film. And uh, yeah, it's all, it was a pand- literally a pandemic film shot during the early or mid-2020 at home in Long Island. He lives in LA now. But uh, shot just, I think, with three people, him and a couple other people. Mm. It's all shot at night. Sort of like the second half of uh, Ham on Rye, if you've seen that movie. It's, so oh, it's got yeah. that nocturnal... Uh-huh ambient true, yeah. vibe to it um this is all wordless uh all yeah told through images things going on over the course of one evening essentially i don't know you, you, i saw it a lo- quite a long time ago so i can't yeah. speak to uh specific details but you liked it too i guess i i yeah i mean i it's just such a mood movie it's like a real you said nocturnal it makes me think of like a nocturne if that's for like sure a, yeah. you know and almost like taking the temperature taking the mood of this particular night and uh moving through these like highly evocative nocturnal shots where you're not even always sure what's happening sometimes and sometimes you are and it has that feel you know i think of like for some reason that shot in like blue velvet or like one or two other lynch movies where they walk down a suburban street yep and you're going at this kind of narcotic pace yeah, yeah. um i mean there's no big guy with a dog but <laughs> for sure. yeah exactly well i compared the second half of the ham on ride to like already described it as lynchian it's got that feel i'm sure that's an yeah. influence of some sort but yeah the way he shoots evening sequences in the suburbs has that kind of a yeah. surreal quality to it yeah just the kind of eerie quietude of it and not even to the point of like being strange because i do feel that's how it is you know yeah in, in that when you get to that side street with the trees and i don't know sure um just wanted to throw that in because yeah, that was shot. The credits say with, I guess with his family or at his family or. Yeah. I think just at his childhood home, childhood I think. Home. Uh, yeah. Or in his old neighborhood or something like that. But yeah, just with a couple people as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's a, it's like just feature like it's a 60 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Also in the forum. Also in the but forum yeah. section. So yeah, so that's Hap, Happer's Comet. And then, I mean, as far as, you know, um, I know these, these are really like hoary words by now, but as far as, you know, avant-garde film, uh, experimental film. There's, you know, also a lion of the category here who, I mean, is extremely prolific. And I admit, I have not really kept up with everything he's he's mm. produced, although his Facebook page is pretty interesting. <laughs> um, he seems to use it uh, as a, I don't know, he's like doing like digital, digital art, basically. But anyway, the filmmaker is, of course, James Benning. And this one is called... It's called The United States of America. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, the the, the full title. The full title is The United United States of America. America. Which is a reference to a movie he made in the 80s. This is, I guess, kind of a remake or a reimagining of some sort. Yeah. So what what is he doing here? Well, as you might expect, (laughs) as being a James Benning film, these are uh, essentially the movies comprised of static (laughs) images of landscapes. Um, It is... I don't know, kind of, maybe a kind of a travelogue film, I guess. It's Hmm. one image from each of the 50 states. Technically, it's, I think, 52, because there is a Puerto Rico one and a Washington, D.C. So I think there is 52 shots. But uh, they're each about, I don't know if they're the same length, but they're roughly 90 seconds each or so. It's like an hour and a half movie. Mm -hmm. And it goes in alphabetical order. It's very, like, mathematical. (laughs) Benning was a math uh, guy back in the day. Yeah. Uh, So it follows the same kind of conceptual bent of his films. And it's basically small towns. And it ranges from uh, deserts to gas stations to Mm. monuments of some sort to uh, suburbs. And then on occasion, he intersperses 
radio transmissions or music of some sort, um, mm. which he's done in the past with like, you know, artists from the sixties, rough, you know, usually sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. And there's also a couple parts of like dialogue that's been, I don't know, sampled or, or, or taken from news broadcasts or interviews with, uh, you, you see who they are in the credits at the end, but, or like s- some of them are celebrities, uh, talking about politics or issues or, mm-hmm your race or social things that uh, his movies tend to be about in some ways, all dealing with the very broad concept of America, obviously. Mm-hmm. There is a, a thing at the end that changes how you will perceive the movie that it would be a shame to ever give away. So <laughs> I encourage people to see this when it comes to their town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it does play into what you were saying about him being kind of mischievous and having a sense of humor about things. Cause he's always, you know, if you watch most of his movies, they're very like, I don't know. They're literally a lot. Some of them are literally one shot for like two hours. Yeah. So he's, he's a very like <laughs> avant-garde personality, but he's very f- humorous and funny in person. And this movie yeah. is like hinges on a sort of a joke uh-huh. that is, if you if you're on his wavelength, you'll think is a uh, very clever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really uh, interesting and fun kind of movie. Uh, Since you mentioned that, you know, it re- references a bit eighties film. It's the same title. It's just the same. Yeah, title. Yeah. yeah. What, how does it a variation on that? I'm not sure. I haven't seen the original. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Um, I actually have not seen it. He made that movie with Betty Gordon, though, I think. Is who, uh, is oh, right, the, right. It was on, I think, Criterion last year where a lot of people saw it. Ah, which okay, I didn't because okay. I'm not a good uh, cinephile. But, uh, <laughs> You're terrible. <laughs> no, his uh, 80s... Uh, it's terrible. It's funny. Benning, like, he has a lot of major films in the 70s, and then, like, in the 80s and 90s, those kind of, like, went away for a while. Yeah. And then they've slowly mm-hmm. been rediscovered in the recent years because then, you know, when they get to the 2000s, that's when all the major, or now are considered the major films that the, his last 16-millimeter films, Ten Skies and RR and 13, yeah. 13 Lakes. But, yeah, his 80s and 90s films were very obscure until recently, other than, like, Landscape Suicide, which I love, which was made around the same period. Yeah, But uh, I'm, I think it's very similar where they went around the u.s in a car shooting various landscapes i don't know if it's every state or or not but uh it's some kind of remake of that film yeah i'm sure there's a piece of like there's a piece of criticism to write about that benning was sort of mainstreamed more than he had been and and re-embraced with landscape films of a sort of brand of classical beauty you know yeah there's, yeah. there's even though you know it's great you mentioned the soundtrack on this one you know if you listen to what's going on in 13 lakes or oh yeah you know for it's sure. insane <laughs> and it, yeah he is so known for just like having natural soundscapes which are not actually natural, are natural that you're yeah. very uh manipulated but he uses music a lot and people don't really realize that but like as far back as like yeah. 11 by 14 has a bob dylan song in it and as recently as l cohen which is a few years ago has oh, a right. leonard cohen mm-hmm. song in it uh so he's not like completely just like you know static images of silent you know silent landscapes there's a lot of stuff going on yeah in the image and in the soundtrack usually and and sorry just this one is shot digital right so yeah like, they're all static images so yeah no camera movement and they're all every one is different there it can just be a uh you know there's a new york that looks like a manhattan street mm-hmm. there's a florida looks like an old hotel like oh, a kind okay. of an old from like a mid-50s kind of that architecture uh-huh. I'm trying to remember there's one that uh, shot in an old presidential uh, estate, like where a president lived at oh. one point. I think Reagan or someone. Mm, but okay. um, anyway, so it, it moves around, um, and yeah, no, no images is the same. They're they're all very different. Yeah, no, because yeah. I there's there's one of a railroad. So there's like self references right. in the movie because right. it's pretty like when I saw that I started to kind of you know chuckle to myself. It's like another another railroad. Shot yeah, for him, a leftover one he didn't get to before yeah. before then. No, it's just interesting because it's been interesting to see him 
you know, his use of digital and movies like 13 Lakes or Railroad are just really so associated for me with 60 millimeter and how that the grain of that and the earthiness of it and how that feels. Yeah. And so, I don't know, I was always worried that that somehow would fade away from, from the feel of his work. But yeah, that's United States of America, James Benning. And we can probably end things there unless you wanted to say a quick word about the Denis Cote movie. Yeah, that's one of my favorite, favorite films in competition. It is called That Kind of Summer. Cote is a extremely prolific filmmaker. I believe we talked about his previous film last one year ago from now at uh, Berlin, Virtual Berlin. Oh, last yeah, year, that's uh, right. Uh, social Hygiene. That's right. So this is a very different movie than Social Hygiene, which was all like tableau uh, framings and people declaring long sentences to the uh-huh. camera. Um, this is a two hour and 15 minute, like almost like a psychodrama of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, it deals with three women who go to on a therapeutic sex retreat where they're trying to break uh, their sex addiction. I didn't really read much about it until I went in. I'm like, oh, this is what the <laughs> this movie's this about. What okay. it's about. <laughs> it's funny, though, because it doesn't give you any context for why they're there other than they've all agreed to be there on their own will. Uh-huh. They all seem to be there, though, for different reasons, which aren't entirely clear. At least one of the girls really wants to, has some emotional problems and really wants to fix whatever she thinks is wrong with her. Mm. Uh, one of the girls who's a young young woman uh, is very openly sexual and doesn't want to, she thinks, says something like, can't remember what it is, but like, I'm going to fuck my way through life. Like, which, <laughs> I'm not killing anybody, so right. it should be no okay. Harm done. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So she's very open and doesn't seem to want to fix or work on anything. And then there's another one who's also kind of in between the two other ones. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, it plays out as uh, they're all essentially is in one big house, I guess, in the mm. country. And it deals with, it shows like their therapy sessions. It shows huh. um, essentially their dynamic amongst the three of them, but also amongst the, the therapists, mm-hmm. I guess, and how they interact and how the women oftentimes are making advances on the therapists and trying to like, you know, have sex with them or do have getting sexual situations with them and how that dynamic plays out. And there's a scene where they leave, they're, they're allowed to leave for one night and then you get to see all their, you learn at the beginning, all their like kind of uh, sexual proclivities. Mm-hmm. And then you get to see them actually played out when they go out <laughs> one night. So there's like a girl who's into bondage and things like this. So, and there's one girl who meets truck drivers and things like that around the this area. I guess it's shot in Montreal probably, mm. uh, which where Cote is from. But Very um, topical. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But... Um, in any case, no, it's a very uh, strange movie. The The topic is very kind of uh, provocative, I guess. Um, the ac- the actresses are all really amazing. I, I feel oh, really? like the, it could win some kind of award here. It feels like a real like substantial film for him. I haven't really seen anything like this from him. He makes movies in so many different styles. Yeah, it's hard to keep up true. with. He makes like observational documentaries. He makes things like social hygiene. And now this is like a really, like I don't know, emotional drama dealing with like a real serious subject. But it's also done with humor and uh, very kind of like interesting insights into like sexuality and femininity. And uh, and it's also really beautiful. I think he shot it on 16 and it oh, looks, wow. uh, looks really nice. Uh, captures kind of like, it's like a lakeside house that they all live at. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, called That Kind of Summer. That Kind of Summer. And yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's interesting. And I mean, I guess since we were just mentioning, you know, this idea of the pandemic film, I guess Cote was sort of one of the earliest people to produce something. Well, it's funny that 
I think like social hygiene was not made during the pandemic, but it's become a That's pandemic right. film because of like how it was made. Because mm -hmm. they're like they're standing like six feet apart, right. and like <laughs> it looks like it could have just been shot in a, it was shot in just like a country landscape. Yeah. But then I think this film was actually like a pandemic film, but it doesn't look like one because there's not like right. mention of it or anything. Yeah. But I think it was just all shot with like a handful of people in like a, a house or in oh, the country. That's interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of funny that he's the one who like has kind of turned the tables on that yeah. idea a little bit <laughs> without, without really trying. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's all in a day's work or a day and change, I think, um, the films yeah. we talked about. Do you know what the next film you're going to see is? The one I'm looking forward to the most, I guess, is the new Ruth Beckerman film, uh, which heard a lot about. has already screened, but I have not. Uh, I've heard good things, and I like her work a lot. Yeah. So that's kind of the last big one. And I'm I'm going to be catching up with Queens of the Qing Dynasty. All right, that's good. I'll re I recommend it. Very good. That's <laughs> good to be armed with that. Thanks, Jordan. As always. Thank you. Have a good rest of the festival. You too. You've been listening to the last thing I saw with your host Nicholas Rapold please consider signing up at repold.substack.com. Special thanks to the Minarets for the opening music. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.